break down and preach that message. Whenever I got through at the end of the service, a young man come running in the front door. He had been sitting on the porch all week long. He said he had left before the end of the service every night. But God saved his soul, not that night, but two weeks later, his dad called me and said, my son got the Holy Ghost tonight. Folks, I'm telling you, God knows exactly, exactly what we need and when we need it. We don't always understand it, but God knows. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles, if you'll stand for the reference of reading of God's Word, we do want to say we give honor to you, to your pastor, to all the saints that are here tonight. We love you. We may not know you all, may not know how to call you by name, but if you're one of God's, we love you. And if you're not one of God's, we still love you. We just want you to be one of God's. And uh, it's so, so honored to be here. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting with verses 6, For I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. I like those verses. How many can say amen? I like those verses. How many can say that? I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, If you can say that, you're blessed. But the scripture does not end there. The Bible says in verse 9, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretan to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me. For the ministry. If you read the very word of God very closely in verses 10, it says, For Demas hath forsaken me. Throughout the word of God, you will only find him mentioned three times in the word of God. This time you find him mentioned, it's sort of a sad mentioning. But the first time you find him in Colossians chapter 4, it says, Demas having a great zeal for the work of God. And then if you turn to Philemon, you find him mentioned again in verse 22 through 24, where it says, accept him as a fellow laborer in Christ. Something went wrong between those two passages and the one we just read in Timothy. Demas, having loved this present world, has forsaken me. If I should leave with you a thought tonight, it would be death came too late. Let me let that soak into you again. Death came too late. You should have died the first night you ever knelt in an altar. You should have died the first time your pastor baptized you in the precious name of Jesus. You should have died the first time you ever cried unto God and said, God, please help me, save me, because, honey, you come too late. If you ain't careful, you will wait too long until you find Jesus. I've come to tell somebody tonight, death is coming. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, it's the judgment. You will face death, honey, whether it be by the grave or whether it be by the rapture. You will find death. I'm telling you someone tonight, 
today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Brother Plyke, could you pray for us tonight? Amen. And you may be seated. We begin to look at these scriptures tonight. And when we start looking at them, Demas having loved this present world has forsaken me. That's one of the saddest statements that I've ever read in the Word of God. How many of us can say for assuredly tonight, we have loved ones, we have friends, we have people that have one time sat on the church pew with us that we would love to see sitting here again. Something happened, honey, that made them leave the house of God. Somewhere along the way, they didn't pray enough. Somewhere along the way, we didn't pray enough for them. Whatever the case might be, honey, I'm telling you, God said he would never place upon you more than you were able to bear. You can blame everything thing that goes on in the house of God. You can blame the singers. You can blame, blame your pastor. You can blame the evangelist. But honey, the blame really stops with you because this is your salvation. Not somebody else's. Not nobody else can be saved for you. You've got to be born again for yourself. I come to tell you tonight, death is coming to you. Don't wait too late to find Jesus. They have been years and years and years you see, I told you this morning I was 15 years old when I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I can still tell you the date and the time and the place. May the 4th of 1975, God filled me with the Holy Ghost, and I've never been the same again. Oh, have I done everything perfect? No. Have I failed God along the way? You better know it. But I never went so far that I couldn't turn around and go back to an altar and say, God, forgive me. And he's laid his hand on me and forgave me. Honey, I'm asking you tonight, where are you standing? How could you, pastor, stand up here tonight and beg you to shout and give praise unto God? And some just sat there and looked at one another like God wasn't even speaking. I'm here to tell you tonight, God is speaking to you. You should have been praising him. The Bible says God inhabits the praise of his people. You can sit on your seat and look at everybody else and say, hey, they're not shouting, so I'm not going to shout. Are you going to watch them let you go to hell also and burn in hell? Honey, I'm telling you, you better wake up tonight and realize that God has come looking for you. You remember in the Word of God, you'll find a story in 1 Samuel. You'll find a story of a man by the name of Saul. The Bible said the Lord told him to go fight the Amalekites and destroy all of the Amalekites. Don't you bring one Malachite back with you. Don't you bring one animal back with you. Don't you take anything from that city. You wipe it out. You destroy everything. Honey, but what did Saul do? He went over there and he captured the king. And when he did, I'll take him back with me. That ain't what God told him to do. I'm telling you, it's better to obey the word of God than to walk away from it and not obey the things of God. God don't need your sacrifice. He began to look at Saul. And Saul began to bring back Agag. He brought all of those cows. He brought back several different animals, camels and whatever thing he could find that was to be used. 
And whenever Samuel finally came across the hill and said, Hey, Saul, what have you done? You brought back that that did not belong. You did not you was not told to bring those things back but you done it anyway he began to try to make excuses he said oh I'm going to bring him back and make him a, I guess you'd say an example unto the world how that I can destroy Agag the king but that ain't what God told him to do and then what did happen he began to lie then and said hey the people wanted to bring back and have a great a great altar built and make a great sacrifice unto you God honey you can't lie your way from God. God knows the number of the hair on your head. How much closer can it get to you each and every day? I'm telling you tonight, death came too late for some of you. Did you know the Bible doesn't promise us but one opportunity to find God? One time. After that, honey, he has no more obligations to anyone. And when you sit on a church pew and you hear the word of God preached, the way this man preaches the word of God, the way some of these evangelists in this church preach the word of God. And I know Brother Luna came out of this church. He just preached me a revival a few weeks ago. Honey, I'm telling you, the way he preaches, you can't tell me you haven't heard the word of God. If you sit on these pews, you will have no excuse when you stand before God. You better not try to make it any other way. The Bible says you're a thief and a robber if you come up any other way. Death came too late. It would have been better if you would have died several days ago or several weeks ago or months or years. Ever how long it's been since the last time you knelt and prayed. You remember the word of God in Daniel. A man by the name of Belshazzar took over the throne. And the Bible says as he began to drink wine and began to live it up. Lo and behold, he began to say, hey, bring in all of the golden sepulchers that Nebuchadnezzar, my grandfather, took out of the house of God. Bring them back in while he was sitting there bringing those things in. Honey, it wasn't so bad that he brought in those strange sepulchers. What was bad is they was things of gods of their day. They was bringing in the strange gods and the three strange things that did not belong in the house of God. I'm going to ask you tonight, what have you got in your house that the first time you knelt and prayed, you said, I won't have it in my house again. But yet when you walk through the door, you've got it sitting there or you've got it listening there or you've allowed things back in that God told you not to. I'm telling you, you better clean up your act. You better get things together. Together, God's come looking for you, and when He finds you, will He find you ready? Death came too late. It would have been better if you'd have died years ago. You say, How can you say that? I've got family, I've got children, I've got loved ones. Yeah, and where are they headed? They're following in the same footsteps you're leading them in. If you're a part-time child of God, a part-time visitor to the house of God, oh, I pay my tithes? Oh, Lord, I'm meddling now. I pay my tithes and I show up on Sunday? Well, what about the rest of the time? What about the rest of the time? A tenth of your time, a tenth of your time, if you go by God's time clock, Tenth of your ties, a tenth of your time. How many of you prayed two hours today? How many of you prayed ten, two hours yesterday or the day before? 
or the day before. How many of us will be able to pray two hours tomorrow? Don't look at me. Honey, I've got three fingers pointing back at me. I haven't done it either. But I can tell you this. I'm moving up. I'm doing my best. I'm trying. There's times when I can't pray. But honey, when I can, I've got to give a little extra for the times that I've missed. I'm asking you tonight, what's it going to take to make you bow down and cry unto God and to seek God's faith and say, God, I can't afford to miss heaven. I can't afford to miss you. When the rapture comes, I want to be a part of it. Please tonight, please if I ever said anything, don't let death catch you unaware. Death's coming. You remember Belshazzar brought all of those strange gods and those strange things in the house of God. But the Bible said when he'd done so, the finger of a man's hand began to write upon the plaster of the wall. Many, many to tell you, Parsons, is what was written on the wall. They called in all of those experts of that day, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, the, the uh, astrologers, honey, those star readers, all of those book readers, all of those crystal ball readers, they brought them in trying to answer what was on the wall. But I got news for you. People never understand the tongues that God gave us tonight and give us the Holy Ghost, and they'll never understand the writing that God places on the wall either. You've got to get a hold of a man of God or a woman of God in order to feel the presence of God and the anointing of God. When you want your healing, my God's got to be there. If he's not there, honey, you'll never receive the genuine that you need. Belshazzar sitting there. The Bible says his knees. Oh, yeah, he's the king. I got everything going my way. I got money. I got people following me. I'm doing everything just right. I'm going to throw this in for good measure. That's what them 3,000 people that died over Guyana several years ago following Jim Jones said too. Belshazzar said, I got it. I'll do it my way. But honey, the hand began to write on the wall. You've been found in the balances and you've been found wanting. My father-in-law Died in 97, one of the greatest preachers I ever heard stand in a pulpit and preach the gospel. Matter of fact, when he died, we preached this morning about a second portion of Elijah's spirit. And Elisha asked for, I asked for my father-in-law's spirit. You can say, well, that's crazy. I didn't ask for his ministry. I asked for his spirit. Why? Because they've been people walked up to me over the years and say, you preach like your daddy-in-law. You preach like your brother Danny. I'm so glad every time they say that, I'll pop my head back and say, Whoop, I got it. I got it. Honey, I got it. Why? Because I asked for it. I even stood by the truck bed one day asking his brothers, asking all of his sons and said, Hey, can, can I ask for that? They said, Well, we can't use it. We're not preachers. I said, Well, I can. I can. Honey, I can see old brother Belshazzar sitting there calling all of those professionals in. They couldn't read the writing on the wall, but whenever they found a little old lady glancing through, she said there was a man in granddaddy's kingdom who could read that writing. He read strange things and read strange dreams. Why don't you bring him in here? He'll read the writing on the wall. You want to know, I've wondered, and maybe you can tell me, Brother White, I've wondered if he knew before he got there or when he walked through the doors and saw the hand on the wall or seen the writing up there. I wonder when God began to tell him what he was going up against because they've been 
been times when I've walked to the house of God and God would tell me certain people would be in the house and I would get to pray for them and I would see them move for God. And there's been times, honey, when I just went in there and preached the word of God and said, hey, 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 God, you've got to help me. I'm telling you tonight, God knows how to reach you. God knows how where you at. God knows how to find you. I'm asking you tonight, what did you come into this place for? Death came too late. Belshazzar's knees began to smite one against the other. They brought in Daniel. He said, Daniel, I'll make you a rich man. I'll make you the third, third ruler in the kingdom. I'll do all of these things for you. I just need you to tell me what that means. I think he already knew. He already knew or he wouldn't be scared to death. He wouldn't be smiting his knees one against the other. Why? Because he knew he'd went too far. There's some of us sitting here tonight that you may be on the verge of going too far. You may have just played around with God. There's been times when you've come up here and you've shouted and you've put on a show and you've acted like you've got the genuine, but then you don't know really, you don't really feel the presence of God. Honey, don't tell me the devil can't put on a show because he can. I'm asking you tonight, where do you really stand with God? Are you ready to meet him? Are you ready? If God should call you tonight, would you be ready to enter into heaven? Or would he say, depart from me? I never knew you. Belshazzar, when Daniel walked in and he told him these things, he said, keep them. Keep them. Their kingdoms weighed in the palaces and the Medes and the Persians will take your kingdom tonight. I just wonder, maybe you can tell me, Elder, how did that king go in there and lay down on his bed and go to sleep and let him sneak in on him? I'd have been up the rest of the night pacing the floor, waiting on my enemy. Maybe he got a penicillin shot. I don't know. Whatever it was that came through that night, he died that night. He died that night. Why? He had went too far. He brought in the things that God did not want in his kingdom. Do you not know this is just a building with four walls that we worship in? God's kingdom is right here in each and every one of us. And when we bring things and allow things inside of our heart and inside of our mind and inside of our soul that does not belong there, God's going to be judging you by that that's inside of you. I'm telling you tonight, you better wake up and realize God's come looking for you. I said it this morning, I'm going to say it again tonight. You don't accidentally walk into the house of God. And you didn't accidentally walk into here tonight. You remember 12 disciples that was chosen. There was one that was chosen in particular. The man that dips his hand in the bowl with me, he will betray me. I don't know, but I think I'm an oddball. I'd have tied my hand behind my back and supped it with my lips before I'd have ever dipped in that bowl. But Judas, y'all all remember Judas? Judas dipped his hand in the bowl. And it wasn't but a few months later, a few days later, that he began to betray Jesus. And he sold him for 30 pieces of silver. My Bible, one of the Bibles I've got at the house says 30 pieces of silver in that day, in that day, was $58. Now, I don't know where they're getting their figures from, 
But I can tell you this, that's a cheap way to sell somebody out. I don't care how much poverty they are in the world, that's a cheap way to sell somebody. And I looked up what it would be today in today's currency, it would be $3,640. $3,640 is all Jesus promised. Now I'm going to ask you a question, what are you selling for? What kind of parties in the world that makes you think it's greater than what God can give you here? I'm asking you, honey, it don't bother me one bit to kneel down and pray for somebody and watch them walk away healed. It doesn't bother me one bit to pray for somebody knowing that God's going to touch them. And then I have also prayed for those whom I've scratched my head and say, God, it's in your hands. I don't know. I got a call one night. I wasn't but about 16 years old, wasn't married, hadn't had the Holy Ghost but about a year. I get a call at 12 o'clock one night and say, Brother Kirkman, can you come to the hospital? My husband wants to talk to you. I said, Eula May, I'll be glad to. I got in the car and drove to the hospital. When I got there, I walked down that corridor and walked in. When I walked in, Eula May looked at me and said, Edgar wants you to pray for him, wants to talk to you. I said, I'll be glad to. That Edgar had played the bass guitar in our church for almost 20 years. But for some reason, he and his wife had walked away from God, walked away from the church, laid everything aside and said, we can't do it anymore. I don't understand all that. Didn't know why they did it. Didn't care. But I walked in there. Looked at Edgar and Edgar said, Will, pray for me. They tell me you just got the Holy Ghost. I need you to pray. He said, I'm dying. He said, I need you to pray. I knelt down beside that bed, began to pray. When I raised up, he had his one hand propped up on the side of the bed praying. I went back down and began to pray again. When I came up the second time, he was speaking in a heavenly language, laying there on that bed. It wasn't but about a week. The doctors had told him he was going to die and never walk out of there. It was about a week later. Honey, he was sitting in our pulpit preaching and playing the thing, singing the songs of Zion, playing the bass. I'm telling you, if God can do it then, God can do it tonight. God is an ever-changing God. If he can heal him, he can heal you. When I sang at Edgar's funeral, his wife told me, said these was the greatest years we've ever had. Said Edgar was closer to God than he had ever been. I said, he should have been. He got closer to death than he had ever been. Got a call later, a couple of years later. Got a call from a man's son. Got in the car, drove to the hospital. When I get to the hospital, I walk in the room. When I walk in the room, Buster laying there on the bed. His wife was holding a pan under his chin. He was spitting up his liver through his mouth from eat up with cancer. His wife, Mama Watson, walked out of the room. She said, once you walk by me, said, tell me he'll be okay. Brother Kirkman, tell me he'll be okay. I walked over holding that little pan and under his chin. I said, Buster, what do you need? He said, William. He called me William then. That's my first name. He said, William. He said, I have went to church for over 50 years. Sit on the church pew. He said, I've watched people get in the altar and filled with the Holy Ghost. 
He said, I've watched people be born again time and time again. He said, I've held my wife's hand while she shouted and worshiped God beside me, shouted her house down, her hair down. He said, I've been in homes and I've watched her shout the victory down and people be healed. But he said, now, now I'm dying and I need help. He said, but I cannot feel God. I can't feel God. I said, Buster, as long as there's breath, we can pray. He said, go ahead and pray, but you're wasting your time. He said, I cannot feel God anymore. I began to pray. He began to calm. A few minutes, he looked at me and said, William, just stop. I stopped. He said, I can't feel God anymore. I looked at him and I said, oh, Buster. He said, I can't feel. And that was the last word he ever said when he drawed his last breath. When he drawed his last breath, I walked out into that hallway. Mama Watson looked at me and said, tell me. I said, he's in the hands of a just God. His son dropped to his knees in the hallway. The white coats came running because he screamed to the top of his lungs. Oh, God, have mercy on my daddy. He laid in that hallway screaming until they came down and gave him shots in order to calm him down. Hell is a reality. Death came too late for Buster. He had 50 years of opportunity. He had 50 years of wanting and needing the house of God, but he chose not to choose it. I'm asking you tonight, how long are you going to wait before God comes looking for you? How long? You say, I've got plenty of time. Honey, do you? I preach funerals for 100 years old all the way down to newborns. Don't tell me you've got plenty of time. They're all ages in the cemetery. You may not have to even walk out of this service tonight. I've even been in services, honey, when people shouted around the house, came back and sat out in their seat and died sitting in their seat. Everybody walked out of the church, leaving, not even realizing they were sitting there dead, honey. When we walked back to speak to them, they could not be awakened. Why they had died, but you want to know something. When they looked up at us, honey, their mouth was wide open and they were smiling from ear to ear. Why? Because the presence of God had carried them home. I'm asking you tonight, how is death going to find you? Death came too late. You say you're trying to scare me. No, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to warn you. You don't have a promise of tomorrow. You don't even have the promise of fulfilling this night and even leaving this place and making it home. But what you do have is a promise from God. Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the promise is unto you, your children, and as many as our Lord God shall call. He's calling you tonight. I'm asking you, what are you going to do about it? I'm asking you, how is your walk with God? Are you really, really, really ready to meet him? Death came too late for so many people that I've known over the years. Just a few weeks ago, I came home and I've even told the church and I told my wife. 
one of the hardest funerals I ever preached. We done 162 funerals last year. The hardest funeral I ever preached. I can't remember if it was the first of this year or the latter part of last year. But I got a call from our funeral home there at home, one of them. Danny Otts is the owner. Danny called me and said, William, I need you. I said, okay, when, Danny? Because I knew when he was calling, he wanted me to do a funeral. I said, okay, when do you want it? He said, in about five minutes. I said, do what? He said, about five minutes. I said, Danny, I'm in my work clothes. I, I, I don't know what to do in that short a period of time. He said, it won't matter. He said, I'll meet you at the cemetery. When you get there, we'll be waiting. I looked at Jesse, my boss, and I looked at him. I said, Jesse, I've got to do a funeral. He said, when? I said, in five minutes. He looked at me sort of startled. He's a Baptist man, a free will Baptist man, great man, though, good man. He looked at me and said, okay. I said, but Jess, I said, I need a Bible. He said, I got one. I said, well, I only use King James. He said, that's all I use. I said, great, I need it. He circled by his house. He got his Bible and brought it to me. We rode over to the cemetery. We get there, and there stands Danny and Danny's son, Brock. They were standing there, and I got out of the truck, still in my work clothes, got out of my truck, or got out of the truck. Me and Jesse walked up there. Danny said, you can start when you get ready, Brother Kirkman. I said, where's the family? He said, there is none. He said, this is all I know, and he handed me a little piece of paper. For the date the man died, the man's name. That's all he knew. He said, for the last 26 years, he's been in the care center. And he said, nobody in there has ever visited him. Nobody ever come to see about him. Nobody ever come to look about him. I stood there and had to preach that funeral, not knowing anything, not anything about this man. But what really broke my heart more is he had lived 74 years, 74 years without knowing anybody or helping anybody or changing anybody's life. I stood there and I watched him cover that grave. And I stood there scratching my head wondering, how can you live this many years and not make a difference in somebody's life? How can you live 74 years and not be a witness to somebody? God, I got home and I literally laid down on the floor and I asked God, God, I don't understand. I don't know this man. If this man, did he know you? God's never answered me, but I've often wondered, did he know him? All I could say is he was in the hands of a just God. I'm asking you tonight, how is your life going? Are you leading somebody to Jesus? Are you really desiring to be a part of the family of God? Are you? Oh, 
I've had people to tell me, Brother Kerman, I'd come to your church, but there's hypocrites in there. That's all right. God knew they was going to be there, but I'm not going to hell with them. Do you hear me? The Bible said, let the wheat grow with the tare, and he would be the separator. I'm asking you tonight, what are you growing in? Are you growing with God? Or are you walking away? Would you stand with me tonight? I made mention of my mother this morning. She was a praying woman. We had a curfew at our house, 10 o'clock. And I always tried to obey mom and be there by 10. Sometimes it'd be a little after, but I was close to it. My brother was always two hours later. The only brother I got, my older brother, he was always maybe two hours later. One night I came in, it was about 15 after 10. I was sitting there in the living room all at once. Mother gets up, goes into the bedroom, packs my brother a suitcase, takes his clothes out of the closet, and walks out and sets them in the carport. She looked at my brother. When he walked up and unlocked the door to come in, she was standing there. She said, son, this kills me, but you can't stay at my house no more. If you can't obey my rules, you can't stay at my house. I watched those tears stream down mother's face. I watched her as my brother walked out, grabbed his suitcase and his clothes, walking to a car. He had an old 54 Ford car had a 283, 289, whichever it was in it, big pop of wheelie. He got on it, had headers and all on it, souped up. I watched him sit in that car. I went to my bedroom, peeped through the curtains and watched him sit in that car with his head on the stirring wheel. A little bit I heard him crank that old car up. You could have heard him from here downtown when he cranked it up. He backed out just slow and eased up the road. I never asked him where he stayed that night, but I sort of figured he stayed in the car. I watched my mother turn around, go to my brother's bedroom, and cry the rest of the night begging God to put his arms around my brother. You see, my brother prayed me through to the Holy Ghost in 1975 and then back slid and walked away from God. Then I watched mother lose weight, was placed back. My daddy, he was a sinner. As far as I know, he never got to know God. But I watched him. He'd look at my mother and say, Delilah, you got to eat. She said, I can't. My baby's not here. I can't. My baby's lost. I can't. God, don't let him die. Don't let him die. About eight months went by watching mother beg God. Then one Sunday night, my brother walked into the church, ran down that aisle, and God filled him again with that precious Holy Ghost. He's the God of a second chance. He's the God of a second move in your life. 
I'm asking you tonight. These altars are open as you play, sing, whatever you feel. I'm asking you tonight, how's death going to find you? You can shout till the rooftop falls in. You can run till you run yourself to death. But if you don't have God in your heart sincerely, it'll be worth nothing. I'm asking you tonight, please don't walk out of this house without knowing Jesus. As she plays, I'm asking you, would you come? Would you come tonight, please? I know who one or two of you are. God's done showed me. I'm asking you tonight. Please, you say I got plenty of time. Do you? Do you? Today is the day of salvation, not next week, not some other time, but right now. This is the day that God has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Would you come tonight? Would you please come? Would you please come? I'm asking you. Do you really know Jesus? It'd be good if we could just all just gather as close to the altar and 